Kind of funny. Um, I was walking up one time. Uh, I think it was middle of the third or second quarter. After I bought thirty dollars worth of water, real quick here. Yeah, you, you're you're in Dana territory, dude. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not shocked by that at all. Hold on one second. Come on into the porch, guys. The voice is recuperating some. I know all of Mountaineer Nation that was in the building. You probably sound the same way. Zach and CJ, come on into the porch, and we talk all things about the big victory and bringing back that Black Diamond Trophy 27-21 to over the Hokies. What a day it was. Almost perfect with the goal line staying at the end. Some things that weren't perfect, maybe the offense in the fourth quarter. We'll get into that, too. But, man, this defense is elite. And so come on back, Mountaineer Nation. You know what to do. If it's in the morning, grab the coffee, Phil style. I'm throwing honey in mine the rest of this week. And if it's in the evening, grab the drink because we're going to talk all things about the Mountaineers taking back the Black Diamond Trophy over the Hokies. Let's go. All right, so uh, Mountaineer Nation, <clears throat> obviously uh, yesterday was exhilarating on a number of different levels, and it took your boy's voice as well here. So um, tonight going to be a lot of CJ and Zach. I'm going to try and hand it off like Daggy did and let Letty take it 80 to the house. I think these guys can do that. Um, be a game manager, be efficient. But, man, let me just say first and foremost, that was college football at its finest, it's back. Unbelievable how that thing went down. It almost felt perfect, Zach. I know you were there too in person. We're going to get CJ's opinion on the broadcast as well. CJ, I rewatched, so I might have a little debate with you. Imagine that. But um, <laughs> let's just let's let's get it rolling. Let's get it rolling, fellas. Zach, tell me about the game day experience, man, and just first thoughts. I mean, I'm sure you're not the only. West Virginia fan out there that sounds like that on this Sunday, but uh, thankfully I didn't. Uh, I didn't get affected quite as bad. I was giving them hell just like everybody else in there, but the environment was exactly what you wanted. It was. It was lit, man. It was awesome. It was so good to be back in a in a setting like that. You you nailed it. It's college football at its finest, and thank God we managed to not completely screw it up at the end there. So we uh, we had a nice drive drive back home. Was a nice drive back home, wasn't it? It it was better than it could have been, <laughs> and it was beautiful. The weather, oh, there's quite there's quite nothing like driving back down seventy seven after a big time win. 
on a noon kick because, man, the sun's just shining. You're like, hell yeah, Melanie's dub. Going to go back and sleep in my own bed. Things are things are good and right with the world at that point in time, my friends. Yeah, no doubt. It it's it's not as fun driving making that drive back home the two and a half hours if if you're not on the right side of things, but thankfully we were and despite the the conversation I'm sure we're gonna have at some point later during the podcast and how it almost went awry. It's a win. You get the Black Diamond Trophy back in Morgantown, and all is right with the world. Yeah, it definitely makes that drive home uh, easier when, you, when you're coming off a win, uh, regardless of how you can get it. Um, it. But, yeah, I mean, it's nice to have that trophy back home um, to get a big win, uh, feeling, you know, and, and, get a, and get some feeling good that, you know, going into Oklahoma, I mean – you, you can feel good going in off a win off of LIU if, like, they would have been the third game, but it doesn't feel quite the same as where you get a win over a rival in a Power 5 school. CJ, Captain Obvious, my friend. Come on now. Well, I mean, no, not all wins are equal, but, I mean, I think the the nice part is is you didn't, you didn't lose it. You didn't cough it up there at the end. Um, no, we did cough it up at the end, but we found a way to still get the damn thing done. I don't know okay. if we found well, a way or just got the, lucky as okay. hell. You know what? That yeah, defense did, is Jesus, elite. You know what I meant. That defense yeah. is elite. I did, agreed. One. Correct. And, and correct. We did cough it up at the end, and I'll just go ahead and Coughed ask it up this. twice at the end, CJ. Let's not okay. say we. Let's say Daggy. Let's, okay. not, let's okay. not put okay. the whole team okay. on okay. it. Okay. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. That's probably fair, Zach. That's wait, wait, fair. wait. No, no, no. Because the, the strip sack's not necessarily his fault. I mean, the tackle's got to at least get a hand on that guy. And it was from the blind side. As well, yeah. I mean, he's that that that's not all on him. The the pick's bad, but here's my question: Why do we throw it, there? Well, it's not only why do we throw there because if you go back and watch on the on the previous one where they had Green keep it, if they block that thing right, Green's still running. But here's my question: I I didn't mind Neil coming out and being very methodical to start the second half because I I, I like kind of what he was. But why the hell now does this feel like two big games he has come out in the second half and taken the air out of the ball really damn early? It's a play to not lose mentality. I don't think that's that exactly, Zach. Um, I think it's At just some a, point it's it a trust, and it's a trust in the defense. I agree with if you that. Don't turn those two, if you don't turn the ball over twice there, you know, and how many times – I think they started in our own end four times Saturday, ended up coming away with – only seven points out of those four drives. I mean, that's impressive. That is impressive. And Virginia Tech is a good football team, without question. They, 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 I'm not saying that they're not a good football team, but you had them on the ropes defensively. Why, why get conservative in the second half? I mean, you were coming out and throwing haymakers. Come out and throw CJ, some more. Time out, time out, time out. Okay. Now, we're obviously let's, we obviously want to talk about the first half, but we're on the second half right now, so let's just go ahead and get to it. That initial drive of the third quarter was phenomenal. I love that. that. That is exactly what you want to do. They're up 17. You take half the quarter. Granted, you have to kick a field goal. But, I mean, that was good offense. I agree with that. And and your boy Casey Legg comes up there, pounds it through, right through the uprights. Boom, we're up 20 points, seven and a half minutes to go. I mean, you felt like this thing is absolutely ours at this point in time. Um, I, I don't mind that at all. 
I think you get a little too conservative in the fourth. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think you kind of said it. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves. Let's let's kind of get back to where we started and we'll we'll get to the second half, but let's not let's not take away from what we did to get to the point where we were up twenty, right? Thank you, Zach. So there were plenty of good things about this game and obviously the frustration toward the end will be discussed and is valid, but you come out of the gates in that game, you force a punt to start and then you have a play where Daggy missed a wide open Sam James streaking up the sideline. Nobody within 20 yards of him. That would have been an easy 80 yarder. Thankfully the very next play, a giant gaping hole opens up for Letty to just take off. And I'm going to tell you one thing about that run that'll probably boost a little bit of Letty's NFL stock because I don't think many people think he had that kind of breakaway speed, and that might be the only knock on him at the next level. He outran everybody. I, I think yeah. the blocking – I don't think our offensive line's been good enough to ever give him the holes to do that, Zach. I think he's got that in him because we've seen it a couple times before. Kansas, granted it's Kansas, but it's when Gus Johnson gave him the, you know, bad, bad Leroy Brown, the baddest man in all. I mean, he's yeah. got that. And if you watch that play, when they bring the safety over to the middle, get him get him vacated, the, it was blocked up well by Frazier. Boom, shot out of a cannon. Oh. You're right, though. That does give him a lot of boost there for the NFL scouts. Absolutely. And that you make a, you mentioned the, the offensive line. That was one thing that you know we all talked about last podcast going into it. But the X factor for me was the offensive line, and I thought they delivered. I thought they were excellent, absolutely the best they've been this season, even against LIU. They weren't this good when they should have absolutely been. They were they were getting movement, they were getting push, and I was extremely happy to see that. Yeah, they yeah, they were. They were getting some push and it and I think it may have helped a little bit too. Uh it looked like Nestor didn't have that massive club on his hand. I mean he was still taped up. Yep. But it wasn't that big massive club. So I think that helped him in that regard. But uh no, I mean I thought the offensive line came out and did a really good job of establishing their will and and, and controlling that line of scrimmage opening holes for for letty and um you know really kind of getting that run game going oh. only giving up two sacks against the defense that had six in the first game against unc that's a that's a huge accomplishment for that young offensive line oh no Ab- it's massive absolutely absolutely only allowing two sacks i mean that that right there if you can do that moving forward I'm okay with that for the rest of the year. If we're only giving up two sacks a game, yeah, it's two bad plays, but that's – I feel like you can live with that. You're living. And they opened up great running lanes for the most part. It wasn't just the 80-yarder. I mean, you take that one away. Letty still went 18. 18 for, for 81. For 81, that's a good clip. Yeah, especially against the Virginia Tech defense that's, that's totally. known to stop the run. Right, absolutely. I mean, I, I think if you'd have come into the game and said, Letty Brown's going to run for 161 – in the blue lot at 10.30 on Saturday morning, everyone would have taken that and probably offered you a shot. And have three catches for 35. Dude, I most went for 200 on the on the ground and through the air, so hell of a game. I mean, you know what? We need – I mean, we have to have four go. He's going to be an absolutely crucial cog the remainder of this season. Now, should we expect numbers like that every day? No, it's it's unrealistic to believe that, but – I think Letty Brown's got it in him to do special things the rest of the season. And that run to start off the game 
on Saturday was absolutely special from Letty Brown. No doubt. And on the other side, the defensive line, I mean, we took it over in the trenches. Oldham Virginia Tech, 40 carries, 110 yards, under three yards a carry. That's that's excellent. You hey, could ask for a lot more out of the front seven. And, Zach, you know, that's interesting you talked about it because I also want to bring this up real quick about the O-line. The, the opponent, who you're playing, matters so much, I think, when you're in the trenches area of the game, right? Mm-hmm. So, LIU last week, obviously, no one was excited for that. Um, Saturday, yep. everyone was ready, and you saw different results. And really, we ran the ball well, like you said, maybe until the fourth quarter. But that, I think, is a lot of maybe you could kind of go with play-calling situational type things where they kind of knew what Neil was thinking about doing, and they really kind of brought heat and run blitzes to stop our run game in the fourth quarter especially. Oh, yeah. And then another thing, which we'll talk about more, uh, talk more about this guy later, but even Garrett Green, the few times he got to carry the ball, designed runs that the defense was expecting because that's what his package is centered around. He still averaged seven yards of carry on his four totes, so that's awesome too. At least those packages, you know, resulted in nice plays. Yeah, and, you know, Zach, I'll tell you what, interesting you bring that up about Garrett Green because you almost had to continue to keep an eye on the scoreboard as well as, like, you could – it's tough to see between two and six out there on the field with the way those numbers look. Mm-hmm. So you almost had to keep looking at the scoreboard too to be like, okay, who's in? Is Daggy in? Is Green in? Because he did use them just enough to throw them off just like we talked about in the pregame. Yep. Yeah, they did. And um, and Zach and I actually had this conversation via via text while he was at the game. And I kind of like the chess piece that's that looks like what's coming. When Green came in, you could see Tech roll to that zero cover, that famous Dave Wanstat defense that, you know, Rich saw. Um and Don't be bringing up 13-9 stuff, CJ. Well, Come I'm, on, uh, I'm not bringing up 13-9. I'm just – let's. I mean, we've, we've seen that kind of coverage before. But the chess piece that I like about it is is still what all you've seen with Green is, is, hey, we're going to let his athletic ability make a play, right? Mm-hmm. It almost feels like he's suckering somebody into not even wondering about it, and they're going to sneak one of those quick – Go route RPOs in there. That's going to be a setup at some point, oh, yeah. even next week. Yeah, that's and that's what I'm thinking. It's almost like a setup to catch Oklahoma because nobody right now thinks Green's going to throw the football. Well, and you know, it's funny you say it, CJ, about they don't think Green's going to throw the football. Threw it a couple times Saturday with not great success, obviously. Right. But, what I'm saying is you haven't seen that where he right, comes in and it's and it's that quick hit did, where it's almost that quarterback draw play action right. where he takes a step in steps back and just bombs it where brown brown set up green into the offense well here throughout the first couple weeks of the season too mm-hmm. i believe i don't i think everything that he's done with that kid at this point has been kind of getting him geared for success setting him up setting up the offense to use him as a decoy in certain spots and and allow that that deception to be there and it's really worked well He's, he's working them in. He's not pushing them straight into the deep end, and I think that's the right way to go about things. As much as I've you know, clamored for him to get more time and maybe more than he should get at this point, it's more out of frustration for Deggie. But, no, Neil has handled it just right. And even if they would have come out on the wrong side, I agree with that. I think he's handled it perfectly. Hey, yeah, I think – Oh, go ahead, CJ. Yeah, I think you have to work him in, and which is what they're doing, getting some packages for him. It's kind of – you're seeing it at the NFL level too, Matt Nagy doing it with Justin Fields, working him in, getting him comfortable, getting him in stuff that he likes, 
um, maybe just to get his confidence up and then really get this thing running as the, as the year progresses. So, no, I love the way they're handling it. Good comparison there between Andy Dalton and uh, Jarrett Deggy. <laughs> Andy, Andy Dalton was almost a former MVP of this league before an injury. So, that's what I want to talk about, Zach. Jarrett Deggy threw some amazing footballs on Saturday, the second touchdown there being one of them. I'm just saying, we don't win that game without Jared Deggy at quarterback yesterday. Now, we almost lost it because of him, but we, we don't win it without him either. So, you're talking about the touchdown to uh, – which was the second one? The second one was to Sam James? No, to Bryce Ford Wheaton. The oh, okay, that was, okay his, his first one, the team second one, got you. So, I – I'm not going to call that amazing throw. I'm not going to. I'm not going to lie to you. Zach, he, he could have let him. No, listen, it was listen, a beautiful listen. ball. My he could have led him more. It was a good read. It was the right throw. He could have let him more. Put it in a position where it had no chance to be deflected or defended. If the Virginia Tech defender would have turned around, it was behind Bryce. It could have been knocked down. It got there. I'm fine with it. I'm not going to call it an amazing throw though. I will CJ, not. Can we get a third party vote? Yeah, I'm. Here's my thing. And in watching it initially, yeah. Is it a little underthrown? It is, but it's still in the right place. It's kind of a back shoulder. Okay. You know, it, it's one of those, yeah, I'm with you, Zach. Maybe get a little bit more under it, but also, too, you kind of had the safety coming the other way. I, I don't necessarily have a problem with it because at that point, it's still you put it in the air, you pushed it down, and now you're trusting your wide receiver to make a play. That's not a ball. At best, it does get batted down, but it's not picked. Right, so, sure. I think I think all things considered in that play, that's exactly from a coaching standpoint. No, I'm going to live with that. He put it in a place, and he's oh, going to yeah. let my playmaker go make a play. Definitely, I'm not going to harsh him for making the throw. It was a good throw. I'm just not going to make it like it was more than it was. It was a it was the good it was a good throw, but it wasn't yeah. something that was hey, special. In my it, it's not a deal for dime, but it got right. the job done. <laughs> let's yeah, say exactly. this. Let's say this real quick too, though. How many quarterbacks throughout the country don't make that throw on Saturday? A lot of them. So, let's give Jared Deggy a little bit of credit on that. I think six threw him a good ball there. And he also took advantage of the of the penalty in that situation. Knew, hey, this is where I'm going with it. I've got a deep shot here. And we and we were up 14-0 after that. I think you got to give Deggy a lot of love for that right there. I will. I will I'll agree it was a good throw. But I will also say, for every good throw he had, there were plenty of ones that he missed. And we can all agree on that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there were. I mean, there, like you said, in that very drive, that, that's one you'd love to have back. I know he had another deep one that he'd love to have back. But let, let's be honest, too. I mean, even your, you know, the best quarterbacks in the country that are out there have, th- have a couple of throws a game they'd love to have back. So that's fair. I mean, hey, and, and you know what, Zach? I think we're going to continue to see green used like we did Saturday. So you're going to get your wish. And he's going to continue to get time. And if they keep saying what he does, I think this just makes us a team that can be potentially special with how elite that defense is. Um, and let's kind of get into that a little bit more here. CJ, you brought up the great stat that with the 13 tackles for loss, we were, those are the eighth most of all time. Yeah, eighth most since that stat started being taken, which I don't think was actually official stat until like the – the 70s? Uh, yeah, like the 70s. It's a hell of a streak. To It's a hell of a long time to get the eighth most tackles for losses. Yeah, 13 in a game. Yeah, and that Jer- and Jarrett Bartlett had himself a coming out party. Woo. Man was killing. Say, does anybody have those pulled up? I'd like to know 
little dis- distribution of uh, of the TFLs there Saturday. So um, based on ESPN, they've got us for th- for ten, but I saw the number for thirteen as well. I don't know exactly where that came from, but the way they have it, you've got a die with one, which I thought he might have had two, so that might be one ESPN missed. Had Mahone Mahone had two. Jackie Matthews had one. I think he might have had another one as well. Barlett had three with his sacks. Um, Taj Austin had one and a half. And then Nick Troy, Lance Dixon, and Jordan Jefferson were all accounted with a half each. You know what's crazy about that, what you just said? I wanted to be, sh- be sure. We don't even hear Mesidor's name in that list. And we had 13 right. TFLs. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Six sacks as a team, another another great number. Well, and the thing was is, is Mesidor may have not had a ton – in the stat sheet, but he every time like on the on the video, he was literally always in the shot around. He the was ball. in the mix. Yeah, yeah, he was definitely in the mix with it. He made his presence felt, and that's I mean that's all you can ask for him. And stills both not guys that showed up really in the bo- in the box score so much, but they they were there and they you know they made sure oh. uh, made sure the quarterback felt him. Let's put it this way: Burmeister was running all day for his life, was rolling out the entire game. And, and if you look at the quarterback pressures and hurries, both those guys were, were well up there in terms of the leaders for the Mountaineers on Saturday. And I don't really remember any time when, when the Hokies went back to pass where it felt like Burmeister had a clean pocket and just delivered a ball. felt like we were back there the entire game. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, I mean, we did a good job getting pressure on him. Um, you know, the, and he made some plays with his legs that kind of, I think, will drive you a little that drive you a little crazy. But I mean, you got to give the credit; he's athletic. Um, you know, made a couple of plays when he had to. But I thought, I thought for the most part, defensively, we did a good job of keeping him pretty well wrapped up. Yeah, I mean, the really, only time he really got loose was that 24? one long run. The third and 24, Zach? Yes, man. That was brutal. Um, yeah, it was brutal. It was brutal. So let's – we're, obviously we're jumping around a good bit because it's a, it's a victory and that's what you do. But, I mean, you, you keep thinking about it. Really, the only, the only possession in the first half where Virginia Tech did anything was all penalty aided. I mean, now granted, I didn't love – did not love the pass interference, but I think the penalty along the sideline there on that, on that drive when it's 14 nothing. On Burmeister might have been a good call. We're talking about the late hit out of bounds. Yep. I have one issue with it. He's still in bounds when contact is made. He was. But and he here's drove why I have him, a problem. He drove him, he drove him I, out of bounds this time. Yeah, but okay, but here's my problem with it. He's a quarterback, it's football, it's a violent sport. And I'm gonna take you back to the Michael Vick game. He pulled that exact same thing where it looked like he was going to, and he spun back the other way. You're still on the field. I don't care. If you're still in bounds when contact's made, that's a weak flag. Personally, I, I, would, I would agree. To it a is a weak extent, flag. But it, it's the way it's called nowadays. That's exactly, not ever exactly. going to be avoided. Exactly. It's then in, that, then in that case, that kid from Tech ought to be gone for targeting. Which, which, which spot here? I'm trying to remember what that play was. He ended was it up hitting, early it, third quarter. It was yeah, it was the one on Sean Ryan. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, I remember. He I didn't, mean, he didn't. What I'm saying is, clean, is both unfortunately this. What I'm saying is, is you're saying the one isn't quite out of bounds. Well, that one's not quite targeting, but you're still up around the head or neck area, leading with the crown of your helmet. 
yeah. by definition, he's got to be gone. Yeah, you're going to have those throughout. And I think you'd be to caught him cleaner because he really didn't get him entirely. It was more of just kind of clipping him a little bit, but he was obviously leading. I think that I he would have been just, taken out, but I know what you're getting at. Yeah, I mean, it's we do it for player safety, which is fine, but then we're so inconsistent with with all of it. And I think that's what drives me crazy the most about it is, is okay, you can hide behind the player safety, and I get it. We want to make it safer for people, but at the same time, then let's be consistent across the board and not just whenever we feel like we got it right. Yeah, I think that's problem. You know, the problem with most officiating amongst fans particularly, it happens in basketball too. You get different crews that call things differently, have different opinions about how things need to be called. It's Do just we ever, the Zach? nature of it. Do we ever? Yeah, I think us especially. <laughs> but it's uh, the it's, it's, uh, nature of the game, you know? Yeah, yeah. and I was pulling it up to um, – That was an ACC crew, correct? Yes. Figured. Yeah, West Virginia official stats had 10 TFLs, not the 13. So I'm not really sure where that 13 number that everybody kept seeing came from. Yeah, I saw that on uh, the 24-7 sports guys. But regardless, 13, 10, still <laughs> I'll take double-digit tackles for loss any day of the week. Yeah. Th- th- those are video game-type numbers when you got it on easy and you're just beating the crap out of somebody. No, See, okay. that's what I'm playing you, actually, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I want to I wanna reference another another – kind of weird but awesome um, thing that happened in the first half is actually at the end of the first half. That whole sequence at the end with what led to Virginia Tech missing a field goal with us just completely screwing with them with our timeouts, and it took freaking forever. I remember my my friend and I, Virginia Tech was down near the goal line with under a minute left, and we're like, well, let's go ahead and go to the concession stand before everybody beats us there. And I'm over with the TV for like 15 minutes watching what was going on in the concourse like what the hell is going on here this is taking forever and it leads to them missing a field goal i'm like i don't know if all these timeouts really worked or it's just a coincidence but zach zach i gotta tell you during that sequence i absolutely loved it it's coming down to right where we were sitting um and you could tell it was almost like a, a an icing of burmeister in the offense and also an icing of the kicker in certain respects I absolutely loved it. You're selling and it out. that ball start too on third down, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it really helps, you know. And I think that's crowd aided as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I it, mean, it was crowd aided, and I thought it was kind of funny when they went into halftime there. The FS1 crew it was Chris Peterson and uh, Emmanuel Acho, and both of them were like, "That right there is like perfectly use of timeouts if you're Neil Brown." And the first time it's happened all year. You're you're getting your stuff set. You're playing chess with him. And at the same time, you're screwing with the kicker in his rhythm. Yeah, it really was. Zach, I'll tell you this too. Not to jump too far ahead because – but I loved how Neil Brown used his timeouts the entire game. Um, Mm. Just to go ahead and and, and throw that caveat out there right now. Um, But, man, that, that, that stop right there. We, we jumped ahead to something, though, Zach, there that I think is pivotal in this game, right? So, yeah, they score 14-7. to 7. Our third touchdown drive. I think we got to talk about that a little bit. Take it away. Yeah, I mean, that seemed to me like an establishment drive right there for us. You know, they get it back to being within the game, continue to move, move the ball. You look like, look like Daigie was in a rhythm there kind of want to know what you guys thought i don't know 100 percent if green was used on that drive but i think he might have been yeah he actually was out there for the beginning of the drive um 
had a 10-yard run, and then his only uh, pass attempt went for an incompletion. Letty ran for no gain, and then Deggy hit uh, Sam James on that 30-yarder uh, deep down the field, and it eventually landed, led, led to his touchdown. Hey, and, and Zach, what'd you Deggy hit Sam James for a 30-yard pass down the field. Great little, great out route. And the ball was on the point about 25 yards deep, perfectly mm-hmm. to Sam James. Mm-hmm. That's a big-time throw. Absolutely, I agree. Um, that was one of his best throws of the day, maybe the season. He One thing about that throw, though, and I'm not taking anything away from him, I'm just kind of stating the fact, he had so much time to let that route develop. The protection was awesome. And that's what happens. Yeah, when you get time and, you, and you're, you're a guy that – throws. Yeah, I mean, and Deggie has Deggie has the ability with time mm-hmm. to to look like a pro. Yeah, yeah he can he can make throws. Yeah, and I think that right now, I mean, like we said, I mean that that's the one thing really kind of separate. And I think the the two on the depth chart right now is just you know Deggie's just a better thrower. But yeah, I mean, he had some he had some throws where you know it looked you know when he was in rhythm, he was in time. I'm kind of with you, Blaine. He felt like he was kind of really getting into a nice little rhythm on that drive. Um, and welcome back, Sam James. Um, mm. I think he's officially back. You can see it. He's confident. He's catching the ball with his hands. He's not trying to think too much about it. He's catching it and then and then going, not trying to do everything all in one motion. Just maturity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, I think expectations. There's a lot of good guys, a lot of good players now, and competition in that room. And I think he knows. And, he, and he's feeling comfortable again, and he's making plays. No reason to think it doesn't continue to happen. We know he had some struggles last year with kind of just the mental aspect of the game. Um, and it seems like right now he should be riding sky high. That was huge. Going up 21-7 to at that point. Zach, I don't know about you, but, man, I was. we had a couple fans, tech fans in the corner, catty corner from us. And uh, my buddy who's with me from, from Princeton, you, was, he says the rivalry is bigger than Pitt. Um, mm. he was clapping at him every time and we're, we're yelling all day, all day. And it was, everyone's just getting, I don't know how you felt at that point in time. I thought, man, this is, this might be a runaway. That's exactly how I felt. And I honestly felt that way after we went up 14, nothing at that point, like even that early in the game, I'm like, man, we are the better team right now. And we have no reason to not be the better team the rest of the game. Obviously, we let off the gas significantly later yep. on, but man, we were putting it to him to start. It it was a bloodbath right off the right off the bat. Yeah, and, and Virginia Tech looked like you've seen some teams that have had to go on the road early in the year. Um, the sixty thousand people at the sold out crowd. It was loud, like you could hear it on the TV. It was loud, and it was just. I don't know if maybe it's where they didn't have fans last year. It, it's taken them a little while to get back used to it. But they looked rattled early by, by just the sheer noise. Well, I mean, if you think about it, you get them off the field. You get the big third down stop. Everyone's pumped. You take a shot deep. And then you hand it 80 yards. So the crowd was in a fever pitch from the start. Um, that, that, that recipe there – the way the game began for in terms of getting the crowd into it couldn't have been better. And so, like we said, and like you said, CJ tech did look rattled from the get go and Burmeister never had time. Like we said, he was rolling around all day. 
and, and in reality, I think VT, while they made some plays, a lot of it was on us, allowing them to get back into the game. And I, I'm going to say, and we talked about it already, the defense is awesome. It's, you know, top of the Big 12, in my opinion, and at least it, in the top three. But I will say, when the offense – and this happened a lot a couple of years ago, too, when we had a really good defense, but our offense just wasn't there. And even last year at times, they get gassed. If, if we're not moving the ball effectively later in the game, which we didn't against Virginia Tech, you know, after that first drive to start the second half, three and out. A decent drive, but it led to a fumble. Another three and out. And then another three and out with, with the interception that almost killed us at the end. The defense had to be just absolutely just gassed, and no matter how good you are, if you're out of if you're out of energy, you're going to have a harder time playing as good a defense as you did earlier in the game. And obviously, as the game progresses, it's going to get more exhausting too. So I think the defense could use some help from the offense in the second half. I think that goes without saying. No, Zach, and I think you're right. I think that kind of comes back to what we had said, you know, really kind of at the beginning and. And Neil kind of taking the air out of the ball, which I know he admitted in his press conference that he he took the air out of it a little too soon. Um, it's one of those things where I think it's kind of a balance where we've got to find a way to extend drives to be methodical, give our defense a rest, um, but still take try and take big shots too at the same time. And I think a lot of that's going to come down to, and I don't know what it is, and I know Letty didn't want to come off off the field. I mean, there was one point the crowd was chanting his name, and you, you on the telecast, you could see him bobbing his head. He knew mm-hmm. what was going on. But maybe it's it's we've got to find a way, I think, to get Tony Mathis a little more involved in the running game too, kind of get some of the pressure or carry damage off of, off of Letty, and I think that'll help too. And I think maybe get a little more creative too. Let's get Winston right maybe on some more of those jet sweeps and really start to really kind of control time of possession and let our defense really be where they want to be, which is aggressive, pedal to the metal, ears pinned back. Bingo, CJ. Bingo. <laughs> That's a bingo. Get get Winston right on those jet sweeps. We didn't do that at all. I think that might be another thing that we're setting up, maybe even, again, for next week, because he goes in motion across the line so often that you expect it to happen eventually. A yeah, I pass, just I, hand off something, but he, hey guys, he only had one touch the whole game. That's crazy. But yeah, I didn't feel like too. his name was was announced a whole lot, which, I mean, I was shocked they kicked it to him. But, yeah, I feel like he's such an explosive guy with the ball in his hands. We've got to find ways to get him in space. I'll say this, though. On, on Winston Wright, did make, a, did make one really big play for us, though. The tackle? Well, that and also, I mean, that, <laughs> picking up that first down there on the sideline like you did, it's a pretty big play, which ended up getting us more points. Now, actually, I want to take that back. Credit where credit's due. I think that tackle after Daggy's fumble with Sam James, and in the process, he knocked the shit out of Letty Brown. <laughs> Absolutely decked him. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you're right. I mean, it's when you got playmakers like Winston Wright, you've got to find a way to get the ball in their hands more than one time. It's it's It goes without saying. I don't know if maybe they schemed Virginia Tech to get him out of the game plan or what. I really couldn't tell. I haven't watched the, the telecast. I haven't watched the replay. I only saw what I saw in person. But you've got to get a, a guy like that the ball more in some way. 
Yeah, I and, I, and I think they may have um, really skinny. And the only way you're really, I think, going to see that is if you can get your hand like on the coaches' tapes, because um, the broadcast is still going to be kind of hard to tell. But yeah, I, I'm with you. We got to find ways to kind of get him a little bit, a little bit more involved in things. Um, I'll, but, I'll also say this too, when to, to kind of CJ to kind of get into all of it in general is that Winston Wright was used as a decoy a lot on Saturday. And our motion game is what got us the Lady Brown 80-yard touchdown. So setting it up to set it up is great. And mm-hmm. maybe that was what Winston Wright was this game. He did a couple plays, you know, and, but. And it might be too. And it's a little bit of a chess match. I think coaches play with themselves where you don't want to, you know, empty your playbook by week three and put all of everything you've got on film too, knowing mm-hmm. you're headed into conference play. I think that's. I think sometimes coaches get into a little bit of a chess match with he, with each other on that part on that aspect of it as well. well and also, he spread the wealth around a little bit on Saturday in terms of receiving. We haven't talked yeah. about Isaiah Esdell at all yet, and he was our leading receiver in terms of catches. Mm-hmm. Had himself a pretty good game. Well, and uh, McLaughlin had a catch or two in the game as well. So, I mean, it was good to kind of see them get the tight ends at least involved at uh, at least once. The one catch Mike had in his first game of the season was on that fourth down, that out route to the sideline. That was absolutely crucial play. Yes, yes. And that was a beautifully designed play route too. Yeah, for sure. As soon as they hiked it, I saw him dragging out to the sideline. I'm like, there he goes. Come on, Mike. (laughs) Just a a Neil Brown – favorite right there like yeah. we've seen that a few times since like ah yes we got this bad boy um so guys i don't know if we've touched yet but i think we have to before we get into the meat and potatoes of the second half kind of put a bow on the first half as good as we were the drive where we end up getting it down to the two yard line and do not hand the ball to letty brown one time is officially that's inexcusable on our part how does that happen when a drive that was so good, you know, a 12 play drive. So essentially you got what nine to get down there in, in, in 79 yards and we don't hand it to Letty one more time. Yeah. Frustrating. I, I think the one on second down, because obviously they try to run Daggy, um first down, down there at the goal line. Obviously that didn't work. I'm sorry. Threw an incomplete pass the first time. Yeah. The second fake. down is where he tried to run it. And I, th- I think, what happened on the uh, on the fade? No, I was right. Okay, the fade that he threw to Esdale. I think that was supposed to go to Letty, but something got messed up. I think it was a bad snap to Daggy's right, and it kind of screwed things up. So he just tossed it. I, I really interesting. Think that's what Zach, happened interesting. I I from my yeah, point did not see that, and yeah, watching it back on film it, didn't see it either. Yeah, it didn't look like that was what because it. it there was no real attempt by the wideout. It was kind of just a throwaway. Yeah, it looked like that play. There was something that didn't go right on that play, and Deggy did the smart thing and got rid of it. But no, Letty's got to get the ball there. He's got to get at least one touch, if not every single one of them. You're that. You're on the two yard line, man. He's going to get yeah. two yards and one or three or four touches. It's funny. It's funny you say that, Zach, because we're all yelling. Give it to Letty three times, you know, from the two. He'd already in the drive had three carries for 23 yards at that point in time. And then it's like uh, right after the, you know, you had the roughing the passer penalty. Then he runs that up for 11 yards right up the gut. You're like, just get on the ball and do it one more time. This is, we've got this thing 28 to seven. And then, like we say, they run the fade. And then I do love Deggy going and pulling that on the read. 
it sets it up for Daigie to do it. It also sets it up now that Green necessarily isn't the only guy who can do that down there in the red zone. I really like that from us. But still wish Lady Brown would have got the carry. But Neil Brown kind of playing that game. And then obviously third and goal, you don't get the completion, have to kick the field goal. You're a little disappointed. You're trying to talk yourself out of being like, that's really going to matter because we had played so well in the first half offensively. And I'll, I'll tell you one thing. I think almost everybody in the stadium wanted us to go forward on fourth down and two there. Zach, but I did. I'll tell you that right now. Well, at the end of the day, that might have saved you that you didn't because, you know, if, if we hadn't kicked it there, say we didn't get the touchdown there on fourth down, you're only up three later in the game if everything <laughs> works out the same. And instead of a touchdown – at the very end, Virginia Tech only needs a field goal to take it to overtime. So that might have actually saved us. Absolutely. Yeah, and, well, and I think and what's funny is, is a lot of the people that were screaming go for it were the same ones that after the Texas game were going, well, if you didn't go for it, you just kick the field goals, we win the game. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. Take take the points there and, 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 and be happy with it. Hey, CJ, you always take points, I feel like, for the most part. Just to use an example from another game. Marshall's up 38 to 21 in the fourth quarter. They don't take the three. They end up getting their asses come back one in a in a 17 point collapse by the hurt. They don't take the three points. Had they taken them, they got it back down there at the end of the game. Could have kicked the field goal. And I think the situation this I think the situation plays into it too. Of course, I mean we're up 21 to seven at that point. You you take the extra three, make it a three possession game, and you go to the half. Well, not quite go to the half, but you're on your way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because a lot of people that are go for it are, are your, you know, Madden players that are, you know, don't believe in kicking the ball whatsoever. No, take take the points, get yourself up three possessions, and and really kind of start to let the defense really pin their ears back and and get after them. Which they did right thereafter. I mean, you talk about we kind of referenced that last uh, drive of the first half already for Virginia Tech. So, we talked about this uh, last drive for Virginia Tech of the first half already in terms of the timeout usage by Neil Brown, how they missed the field goal, everything like that. But talking about the defense really stepping up, you're up 24-7. to You kick off to Virginia Tech, and they've got an awesome return, 78 yards. They set themselves up perfectly to score before halftime. But thankfully, the defense and the coaching with the timeout usage, everything like that, you hold them to a field goal attempt. And even at that, they miss it, they blow it, and you can't ask for a better end of the half, especially after they take that kickoff return almost to the house. Well, big-time kick there by Ruffin. Um, the walk one just got the scholarship to make that play. It was big-time. I, I felt like – I don't know how you felt, Zach, there. When they got it at the 22, you know, and, and Burmeister gets that nine-yard run to start, it's like this is not going to go well. Then we then they get the false start penalty, which brought them back a little bit. Um, defensively, though, that's when the crowd really got into it. Got it. You could feel the energy. Um, and Burmeister was definitely running around for his life during that possession. We obviously haven't got yet into the what's going to be a controversial call for the Hokies, for no doubt, is the is the touchdown that was ends up not being a touchdown. Um, I definitely think I saw some turf come up. I don't know how you guys fellas fellas felt. 
I, I'm going to say this right now from the, the second when it happened, I said it's incomplete. And you're right. If you go back and watch it on the telecast, you can see the pellets kick up. Uh, there's yep. no doubt that ball skipped in there. Um, and you had – I was yelling at the TV because, you know, Mike Pereira, who's – I don't understand how people think he's a freaking rules guru, was like, oh, no, that's a catch. I'm like, you know what, Mike Pereira, go, go retire somewhere and without television. Suck eggs, Mike Pereira. Yeah, I hate that guy. I'm just going to put it out there. I hate that guy. CBS so, has the best one in Gene Steratore, and we got stuck with freaking Mike Pereira. Hey, but you know what? Gene Steratore made me mad today during the Cowboys game, so I think all of them kind of get that. We do love Gene Steratore, <laughs> though, has the connection to the Mountaineer program, though, so, you know. And and he's he and I have actually gotten to meet him. He's kind of a cool dude, so, but – no, but no, I'm with you. The ball, the ball definitely skipped in. Um, I know a lot of tech fans don't want to hear that, but I, the the ball skipped in, and I got mad because I thought originally they had called it as a touchdown on the field. Oh, they had. But okay, they went then, and re- they went and reversed it. Okay, but see, I thought he announced that they can that the stand the call the play on the field stood as called. Are you thinking they, this? Are you thinking of the play where Burmeister almost stepped out of bounds that they said that was confirmed? No, 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 no. The, the touchdown that skipped in that they took off the board where that guy was wide open and all he's got to do is throw an easy pass and he dunked it. Okay, I didn't know. Maybe you were confusing the two because I honestly can't remember if they called it a catch on the field or not. No, Zach. They they caught initially called it a catch, but then they went back and like the one overruled the other and said it was incomplete. Mm. And then okay, we had we had the call stands on the field because it was it was ruled incomplete initially okay well what made that confusing from the tv aspect of it is is fs1 aka the virginia tech network called was acting like he scored and they never actually then corrected what it was and then never even did after when they put the ball back they just acted like nothing in the world had happened like the play didn't exist it was really weird on the tv side of <laughs> cj let's talk about that real quick about the network, FS1 network, for the Hokies. De- Devin Gardner made Bumgarner sound like the next coming of God knows who. I, the only thing that I can say, though, is rewatching it this morning. Um, man, I don't think it was as bad as you maybe thought it was in the moment, but it did definitely lean a little harder toward tech than I think it did to us. Well, I mean, every highlight they showed about that rivalry came from a tech win, and it's like, okay, where's the Grant Wiley play? I didn't see it one time. Did you? No, that's what I'm saying. Like every highlight they showed of this rivalry was on the tech side of things. And it was like, okay, guys, this isn't a one-sided thing. And last time I checked, we own the overall record. They did show that once. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now they did not get Morgantown correct on the map. Oh, the geography was unbelievable. I cannot Somewhere believe we, they messed that up. For some odd reason, Morgantown was closer to me than it was to actually where it is. Oh, sweet. It they looked, put it right the, in between Virginia and North Carolina. They put it right on the border. <laughs> it almost looked like it was in Blacksburg. I know. I think it was. No, it was close. It was almost right on the North Carolina Virginia line. It was really like it went. I, I, when I first saw it, I was like, "No, nah, that can't be." Yeah, that that's right. They 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 screwed that up royally. <laughs> How do you mess that up on a national TV game? I. You got me. I, I I don't know. It's like an ESPN Plus thing to do. <laughs> that is very ESPN Plus, Zach. Very ESPN Plus. Um, but man, CJ, so I, I do want to say real quick though, I, I I 
obviously no highlights. Um, the only thing they ever talked about was the 2003-28-7 win because Tech was ranked third. I do feel you on that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, they talked about that one, but I mean, when it came to like some of the highlights and some of the big moments out of the rivalry, I felt like they kind of went one-sided on it a little bit. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. The one graphic they did show on the highlight that kind of caught me off guard was the fact that Don Elon was 10-11 and 11 against Tack. I feel like a lot of that was at the end. Beamer started kinda, getting him at the end. Yeah, it kind of was, but that one that one kind of caught me off guard a little. I didn't I didn't realize that he had a losing record in that rivalry. I wouldn't have thought he would have at all. Well, Neil Brown's one to know, boys. That's right. A one, a two, a one, two, three, Virginia, Virginia, right every mountain The real deal, Neil, is one to know. So he's got a better record than Dana in this rivalry. Not hard to do. And I, I think. <laughs> Say, just a friendly reminder, guys, during all of your football season, there's really only one place to get all your information, and that's at Wally's and Wimpy'sSports.com. Pick up the the print edition there at all of your local Parmar stores throughout the valley some Exxon's, Marathon Sitco's, anywhere with your neighborhood Parmar store you can find some Wally's and Wimpy's, got all the schedules some insight, Jim and the boys do a great job and we're excited to partner with Wally's and Wimpy's so definitely make sure that you're uh, looking for those when you go there and pay your gas Uh, get your football schedules too, so pick up your Wally's and Wimpy's today, and now back to the porch I, I, I want to see what y'all think about this. Would you say, even going in, like even before the the game was won, would you say that was Neil's biggest game as WVU's head coach? Stances around it, you know, where we are in the season, then being yeah, ranked, I, first I, game I, back in Morgantown in so long, and, and it just having the rivalry aspect. Yeah, I definitely think it was the, the, the biggest game of his coaching tenure. It's a, it's a signature win. Um Helps with that, you know, the trust and the climb uh, to get mm-hmm. that one under your belt. But no, I, you'd be hard pressed to find one that you'd feel like was a little bigger than that. I think it was by far his biggest win and by far the biggest game heading in um, in his three years, without question, Zach. Because the games last year, I don't feel like ever had the same feel that maybe they, they do this year, even in terms of what it meant for Neil Brown. The K-State game was pretty big last year, I thought, for him. But I don't think coming in, it, it near matched what this game was about, without question. Well, and it gets him a win over a ranked opponent. Um, first one, I believe. Yeah, it's no, the no, first win. No, 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 fellas. No? No, no. We beat Kansas State last year as a ranked team. He beat Kansas State the year before as a ranked team. He's okay. got a couple wins there against ranked opponents already. Gotcha. My mistake. Yeah, but I mean, this one's number fifteen, and so I mean, this is by far the biggest win that he's had as head coach of the Mountaineers, without question. Yeah, and I, I forgot K State was was ranked on that one. Um, hey, and it shows all the ACC people we can play in their conference. Hell yeah! <laughs> well, and here's my thing is, and this is where I got done with it, and I'm sure you guys have seen the picture floating around by now. 
the, the question of well, what do we bring to the ACC? Well, at least our gold rush is by people wearing gold shirts, not gold seats in Heinz Field. Thanks. <laughs> Put that a little, out there. Throw a little pit jab in there, CJ. Gotta love it. Much love it. <laughs> Always. So, I guess it's time to kind of get in the second half here a little bit. Um, Not a lot to cover. Yeah, especially from the offensive side. That first drive, though, was rather impressive. I agree. I love that. 12 plays, six and a half minutes. I don't think you would have wanted another way to come out in the second half unless you scored a touchdown. That's the only thing you can complain about with that. But just to get points to start the half, take off a huge chunk of time, I I loved it. I think it was great. No, I I think it was a – it's a great way to open it up. Uh, You had a lot of momentum – uh, going into halftime with with the missed field goal, you come out, you're methodical with it. You take time off the clock. Um, I loved everything about it except for the fact that it seemed that that kind of set the tempo for the rest of the half where the offense didn't quite have the the juice or the legs that it had in the first half. Uh, CJ, I'm going to absolutely not disagree 100% with that statement, man. Like, that drive to start the second half was beautiful. Letty got it four times for 20 yards, ripped off a couple big runs, lost lost one to start the drive, but then he ripped off seven, eight, got another five-yard run. Mathis got a four-yard run on that third and 12. was kind of a questionable call. You don't throw it there, but you set up the field goal for Casey Leg. I love that drive. That was no, I, I'm not saying I don't love the drive, and I don't love you coming out that way. It's just I it, it felt like as the game went on that that kind of I don't know it because they never could quite get that back in the second half like they never could really kind of find that rhythm again so it's almost like they got too methodical in it in the approach in the second right. half with the script. CJ, here's what I'll say about that. Right, so then we get tech we force tech into another three and out. Um, on their first possession in the second half. So we get the ball back with probably about six minutes to go there, seven minutes exactly. And Daigie gets a little, run a little screen pass. Letty runs for eight. We end up getting the penalty um, on Ono Laughlin after Letty got ran for six yards. Would have kept the same momentum, the same flow, the same tempo of the offense together. You have the penalty, then you end up not getting it and having the punt. That stunk, but I think the play calling was fine in that situation. No, I'm not arguing that the play call because I mean that that Olaf, I mean because that that's huge. I mean that 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 essentially took points off the board. Um, you know, but like I said, I don't know. Just it it there there felt like a difference between so the first half and the second half in so, the offensive script. But that that's what I don't, I'm saying. I, I don't. I see. I don't think. I agree and I'm not saying it. there was. I'm just saying CJ, watching it, that's how it. I understand that, but I think that's why we got to dive deeper in here real quick because then the next possession is the fumble, right? Letty ran for eight yards. Mathis won. We got the first down on the zone read. Green got seven yards. Letty for five. Letty for one. Chunking them. Chunking them, CJ, before the sack and the fumble. I mean, I'm okay with that as well. So, really, when you get down into it, Tech takes it over. Then with 11-12 in in the fourth quarter, and that's when we get them on downs. I'm okay with that. And at that point, before that, you're still up 13, and you get the ball back with 550. Of course you're going to be a little conservative there. I, I don't necessarily hate the way the offense is flowing all game. We continue to run the script. We just didn't execute. The fumble hurt us. 
big time in that situation. Yeah, the fumble was massive, and the fumble on the penalty, you know. Yeah, and those those are killers. I will. The one thing I will agree with, I don't think we were taking the same kind of shots as we did in the first half. I don't think we were trying to put the hammer down on them. I think we were, like I mentioned earlier, playing to not lose. And I don't, I don't think I'm out of bounds by saying that. I truly don't. I think that was the plan. I think you were playing conservative. And I think that's Neil's game plan, especially when they get quarterback, because that's, you know, that's his guy. He tries to make as many or as few mistakes as possible. That's what you're going for. But at the same time, I really would like to try and score points rather than just avoid making mistakes to avoid losing the game. That's just the way I feel about it. But I'm not a right. I'm not a college football head coach, so that's just where I'm at. Right. And that and that and that's where I'm at with it, Zach. And that's why I say I felt like it didn't quite have the same juice as it it was the script was fine, but it felt like we came out through haymakers in the first half and then in the second half wanted to be like Floyd Mayweather and win this thing as a defensive ugly fight. And that to me was kind of you're because at some point in that game, and Zach, you and I said this to each other, it started to have a very eerie feeling starting oh, to creep in. Okay, at timeout, absolutely had an eerie feel. But secondly, Zach, who is your who do you get Wi-Fi from in that stadium, bud? What kind of bullshit is that? Dude, I don't I know what's happening. I was telling my friend that I was sitting with, I've never had such good service in the stadium before. I was sending texts left and right. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? This is brand new. Yeah, when I was having issues with with service at times, I was kind of shocked you got back. I was like, well, hell yeah. Yeah, I was like, where's Blaine in this text? Is he not getting the same service as me? <laughs> I don't know. It might be if you're on the press box side of the stadium, you might not get as good of service, potentially. I don't know, but that is, that, that is something I think in the future they need to get figured out because they're constantly wanting people to be active on social media while in the stadium, but 90% of the people in the stadium, they're serv- they're, they just, there's nothing. Zero service. I was supposed to help out, give, give somebody some tickets, and they didn't get to me before Saturday, so you know what that means. The tickets are definitely not getting to that person. Like, <laughs> unfortunately for them. Unfortunately, you have to you have to know that coming in to Morgantown. If you if you got to do something on a phone, SOL had another buddy who couldn't use the uh, the digital thing because he couldn't get Wi-Fi to pull up his tickets. Oh. So they want people to use digital tickets as well. I mean, that's rough, right there. Uh, we got to improve the Wi-Fi around the stadium. Or well, see, that's why what what because he gets it. Yeah, well, see, that's when I went to the LIU game. I had the digital tickets, but I made sure to save them onto my phone just in case. Smart. Screenshots always is a good idea. Yeah. So let's let's, let's back get to more. football. Back to football. <laughs> Sorry, AT&T. Not trying to come for your head. Oh, I am. I am. Hey, big ups for me, though. Great service. Great service on the opposite end of the field from the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> that's where all the towers are at. So we talk about, you know, the fumble and we were talking about earlier, you know, not entirely Daggy's fault. There was no blocking on the backside. But where's where's the internal clock? Where's where's you realizing, hey, maybe I should get rid of this, maybe I should do something. He just doesn't have a great presence, whatever. He fumbles, huge turning point, tech gets the ball back. Thankfully they don't score off of that, but it's just another another mistake. Another bad, bad happenstance, but ultimately, 
doesn't kill you right away. After we get a turnover on downs, another three and out for us, another killer, another just blah drive in the second half. Um, Zach, Zach, but in that situation, you're up 13 with 5.50 to go. You got to run the football. I, I get that. I get that. But another three and out, it's still going to kill you, which it did. Not entirely, but it, it led to something that could have killed you. Virginia yeah, and, Tech and, and scores on the very next drive. Yep, exactly. Well, and the one I, thing I'm with I you say, that. And, and the one thing I want to say to you is that because I didn't disagree with you on the internal clock thing um, with Deggy on that the strip sack, but that one's a little harder too because that one they kind of had him move in the pocket, and I think with the way he's thinking is okay. That guy gets picked up. I've got an extra second to half, second and a half that he never had. I mean, he never saw that guy coming. So I think the, the, when you move that pocket with those kind of route concepts, that internal clock switches a little. I mean, at, at that point, I'd take a holding call there. I mean, geez, you got you you have got to protect your quarterback better than that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to put the whole thing on him. It's just unfortunately yet another thing. Now I will say with yes, you have bad. to you you have to better ball security there. I mean, definitely on that, but. Uh, but no, I'm I'm with you because that that hurts, and then it just kind of felt like as it went on, it was almost like they were hanging on, praying for zeros instead of really trying to go out and snatch this thing. So after the second three and out, Tech gets the football back. Burmeister makes a couple big plays, and then he makes the biggest of all, running around, finding time, hitting Horton on that third and seventeen for the touchdown. When that happened, I feel like everybody in the stadium thought, oh, oh my, my God, if they get the ball back, we are in trouble. And I guess that, that's why I get your gas perspective from earlier. Yeah, because that's the exact text message I got from Zach was, here we go. It's, it's, it's been seen before. We've all, we've all been there. We've all seen it. And then it just materializes with that interception, and you're just like, geez, Brian. So, so let's, let's talk about that real quick now. I find it interesting that, and we got a little unfortunate as well in this spot, but the prior drive, you made them burn some timeouts. Obviously on first down, if you know you're going to throw the ball on this set of series, do you think about running that the, the screen pass that you ran on third down, potentially on first down? Maybe. I, With 306? I, I see why they were trying to be aggressive. They were, and Brown talked about it in the, pre, the post-game presser. That screen pass, that tunnel screen had been working. It worked multiple times with Esdale on his own. Absolutely. But, man, it's just like in that moment, realizing what all is going on, you have how much time at that point he throws the interception. You have two minutes left. What do you have to not do? Turn the ball over to give them the ball basically in the red zone. Yeah, it was in the red zone. So – at that point, you know, you make the decision to throw the ball. It is what it is at that point. Daggy has to make a better decision and not overthrow it. If anything, throw it low to try and – I mean, if anything, give him a chance to catch and keep it away from the defense, but he sails it. I, it's just – it just kills me. It, Absolutely. it kills me to make a mistake like that in that position. If anything, chuck it or maybe just lay on it to run the clock because I don't believe the Texas Te- – or the Virginia Tech, excuse me, had any timeouts at that point. You would have run some clock punt it to him with about a minute left and D up like you had been the whole game. So here, so here's the question, and I think this is what we have to get into, right? 
and I think Tech knew it was coming. The the way I mean, they played that like they knew it was coming. Well, because they because you ran it on third and ten instead of running it maybe on first down. In that situation, they have one timeout. You know they're eventually going to use it, right? They're expecting run. That's when you run the the, the tunnel screen, right there. Because the pressure is not going to be as for they're thinking you're going to run the football, tunnel screen on first down. Then they then they might still use the timeout. It's still a safe play, just like a run in that situation because they are expecting a hundred percent for Letty Brown to get the football on first and ten after they just shell shocked you with with the touchdown of their own to get it within six. Yeah, yeah I, mean, whether, I, I whether understand was... the screen play there. I'd almost. I'd almost be if that's what you're going to do in that situation to keep Deggy from having to try and make that in that kind of a traffical play is almost go to the old school Rich Rod, the, the get Winston right on the outside and just tell him stay in bounds. I like that. I like that. You know, it's that funny makes though. it a little bit more of an easy throw, and then you're just going to let Winston Wright be athletic, see what he can get, and just remind him, hey, whatever you do, don't go out of bounds. Unless traffic, obviously, makes sense. That that would have been my only thing because I feel like in that like you, that because yeah the tunnel screen had worked all day but you had to kind of feel you knew Tech was going to be really aggressive right there maybe maybe not put it in as much traffic and and get Deggy in a little bit more of a comfortable spot so, with it. So and one, and one thing that hurts ahead, you there Derek. one thing that hurts you there too on that play you're set up for third and five you maybe you maybe try and run something like you did the play before with Garrett Green and an RPO or just the read option in general, trying to decide to keep it or uh, hand it to Letty, which works for five yards on second down. But then you have the, the false start on Gemitter back yep. to the third and ten. That was critical also. Hey, let's let's put this – let's put it Well, on quickly. that second down one, if they block it right, Garrett Green's still running. Yeah. Well, absolutely he was because he was running on – he ran – I mean, he, he took and almost took it to the house on, on the one play, but obviously they saw the penalty. I got to love the fact that you ran him on second and 10. I that, love that. You had to be kind of excited that Garrett Green was the quarterback that was coming into the game with 220 on the clock. In a I critical mean, spot, you're in you're in the shadow of your own end zone. I was like, wow, that's well, that's, that's a that's a trust, a showing of trust in my opinion. Absolutely it was. And 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 you think about it, the first play, 5-yard run. I mean, the only thing that really hurts there is that you had to call timeout because of the injury. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know how quickly that seemed like a real quick blow of the whistle there on the injury timeout. I don't know about you guys, or was it obvious? I don't know. I couldn't see it from where I was. I'm trying to remember who was hurt on that one. So it was after the it was after the Garrett Green scramble. We were set up for a third and five, and they made us take a timeout with 220. I don't remember who got hurt, but I felt like it was very quick that they got off the field. Like, almost like they blew the timeout because we were in under a certain amount of time, and that's an automatic injury timeout, correct? Yeah, that's that's my understanding. Yeah, I mean, it, it probably was a little quick. Um, but in, in watching some games this year, it almost feels like that was a point of emphasis for the officials was to be a little quicker with it. Um, cause in a lot of games I've felt like they've been 
quick with it. Even in the Alabama Florida game, there were a couple of times I felt like they were really quick to hit that injury whistle. So I don't know if maybe that was a point of emphasis or, or what. Because if you think about it, that timeout there absolutely kills 40 seconds. And Neil Brown is such a tactician when it comes to clock management. We've seen this on numerous occasions in year one and year two. two at 220, you tapping the ball at 140 with no timeouts. On a third and five, you're going to run the Gary Green play like he did. First down, they never get the football back. Nobody's talking about how bad Neil Brown's play calling was there because then you don't have to run the slot screen. Just a terrible circumstance for the penalty and the injury timeout especially. Yeah, no doubt. It definitely didn't help the situation. And you, I, I think, is a two-part blame. You you blame the fact that we're thrown in that situation, and you gotta you got to blame Daggy for sailing it. I mean, you've got to put that in a place where it's not going to be a turnover unless it's some crazy deflection or something like that. It just is another thing I've kept – I've said this for a few weeks now – making a play that you just can't make. Correct. And I, and I think also, too, there has to be a little bit offensive line-wise there. You have you cannot have that kind of penalty there. Like, you, you're trying to ice the game out. Like, don't put your quarterback in a position like that where you know – when you know what you're trying to do out there. we got to be a little smarter on that. I thought <clears> – <throat> There were some penalty aspects that we need to get cleaned up. That's one of yeah, them. That was one thing I was going to mention. We had nine penalties in that game. That's another another game of having something that was kind of uncharacteristic. You had the four turnover game against Maryland, a nine penalty game in this game. It's a bit uncharacteristic. Cause if correct, because if you don't have the false start there, you can keep Green in there and do some of that read stuff. Let him make a decision and, and make his let his athleticism. But once you get that false start, it backs you up. You bring a Deggy in if. The D coordinator for Tech knows, oh, well, they're going to have to throw it. They're bringing Deggy in. He's no threat to run. That completely changes the playbook. 100% CJ. 100%. I don't think there's any other way to put it. I mean, bravo. A plus on the SA. Answer right there, my friend. Probably the yeah. first time tonight I'll give you that grade as well. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and I'll give – and this is the one thing I do like about Neil too in his press conferences is, and I know it made the headline where he says, you know, I got to, you know, the play call there, I'll, I'll take blame for that. And that's what, that's what everybody will run with. But the back half of it too, where he did say, Hey, you know, we've, you, you got to protect the football better than that. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And Zach, so, you, you brought up the point earlier about Daggy sailing it. That That's tough. That's tough. The kid, the kid obviously got in a bad spot, and like you said, throw it away, right? Don't throw it into traffic. Sorry. No, you're right. But, I mean, that's the one thing I do like. Um, you know, Neil will hold himself accountable. There's a lot of coaches out there, and some of them can fall back on a resume and just chuck kids under the bus. Um, but I felt like we've – you know, Rich could get a little prickly in that where he didn't want to take any of the blame um, at all for any play calling. It was just, oh, we didn't execute the player, screwed it up. So I, I do appreciate the fact that Neil will kind of own what his fault is. And he does it, and in, in, in he'll still keep his players accountable in the media, but he does it in a way where they're not the headline. Absolutely. And I can, and I can, and I can really kind of appreciate that. And I'm sure uh, that Jared Deggie is also taking accountability because that's what this program preaches. Yeah. Um, so most certainly – I feel like everyone kind of at that point in time 
you know, there's accountability all around. But let's let's go ahead and say this: the defense was accountable for everybody um, at the end there with that stand. I mean, let's get into that. Uh, I mean, yeah, and the and ball is to... the seventeen, and then that's where they that's where you have to start with two oh six, and then the big run immediately gets you inside the red zone or inside the the five essentially from the jump. Tough, tough, tough spot to be put into. Yeah, it is a tough spot. And I thought the defense did a good job of, you know, kind of answering the bell all day. Um, you know, they they take a ton of pride in in what they're doing and they weren't they they were gonna pick their guy up in in Deggie and, and Coach Brown and um because a lot of defenses, man, in that kind of position, man, you can almost go out there deflated. But they went out with a confidence that they were going to get, they were going to finish the job. Yeah, that's that's what they're there for. That's that's their role. They are the heart and soul of this team. I said in the last podcast, they we are gonna we're gonna live and die by this defense. I think, and it seems like on most days we're gonna live because they're they're doing the damn thing. Yeah, and I thought it was kind of interesting, and I had made the prediction, you know, Nick Troy, you know, pick six, which didn't come true. But in watching the game, it felt like Tech didn't really throw to his, throw to his side of the field an awful lot. No, Trey Turner was pretty much locked up. I don't know how much fortune was on him. I'd say it was most of the game. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I mean, Nick he Troy was, was their best was, receiver, and he was not heard from at all. Yeah, I mean Nick Troy was lined up on him from what it could tell. Pretty, uh, he was on him a lot, and they didn't seem to want to test that side of the field much, which kind of shocked me. I mean, that's your best wide receiver. But also, part of the problem with that CJ is they never had time because that D line was back in the backfield the entire game, all game long. And, and I mean, when you don't have time. And Nick Troy Fortz was able to kind of blanket him for that, that little bit of space. I thought Porter and Matthews also played pretty good games as well. Oh, yeah. Porter, Porter besides a couple uh, difficult situations with penalties, I thought he played well himself. The coverage was excellent for the most part. There were yeah, some, I mean, I thought, there were some yeah. plays that Virginia Tech guys made in space, but as far as, like, not letting them push it, I think we, we did great in coverage. No, and I, th- I thought they did a really good job, too. I mean, because Burmeister had a couple of times where he used his athleticism to extend plays, and they did a really good job. Because sometimes when that happens, you end up in that scramble drill, um, and the secondaries kind of end up in a disadvantage. But I thought they did really well with, with staying within assignments and, and staying locked onto their guys. Absolutely, and, and it shows no more than when you, when you stop them when essentially a first and goal from the five-yard line. Everything's on the line at that point, and we did the damn thing. Unreal. Shades of 2002 all over again, just this time in Morgantown. About eight inches away from the goal line. Randall is under his center. Power eye formation. Randall barking signals. Hands the ball off. Sucks his stop short. West Virginia gets the football. That was Grant Wiley. Couldn't ask for more. Every play felt like it was blown up. Did you have a nervous moment, Zach, there when it looked like they might have caught the touchdown? Did you think it was even close? Oh man, I was I was I was sweating bullets the whole time there at the end. I I was like, this is this is just freaking perfect. But 
thankfully, even though I was shaking my head at times on the walk back to the car, I couldn't be upset. Even winning in ugly fashion is still a win. Oh, winning that Black Diamond Trophy that way, perfect. Yeah, I was I, I, I was kind of laughing at the end of it because I was down like on my knees in this prayer angled position. DJ, hopefully you answered him. Yeah, I, yeah. And and I was kind of laughing at myself because I remember watching a game uh, back in two uh, back in '93 with my dad, and Tech had a field goal uh, to attempt to win that thing, and they ended up missing it. That was like the exact same position I was in, and I'm like, why is it always this game? Why does this damn game have to be the one that gives me a coronary? This is why I hate rivalry games sometimes. It's always so damn close, and it's exhausting, and it's emotional, and I just can't do them anymore. I'm too old for this shit. I mean, you, you hear me you, you hear me right now, CJ. I sound like I'm Dana over here. Um, just going to slay it around. That's kind of what, that's kind of what, uh, what a rivalry game's all about right there. Love it. It was just like that in 2017 with Greer, too. It was a heartbreaker on that day, but by God, it was close at the end, and it was yeah. a, hell of a lot of fun. Always yeah. close with these guys. It's always these guys. I think you're not the only person that said that, CJ, leaving that stadium. But, damn, it feels good and exhilarating when it's when it goes your way, which it did. One of the best country roads experiences that I would say uh, we've all had in a long time. Absolutely. Yeah, I was singing it down here in North Carolina loud and proud. I probably scared some people in the hotel. <laughs> I mean, they see you normally, so they shouldn't be that much more scared, right? Yeah, hopefully not. <laughs> I mean, fellas, let's let's kind of jump ahead here real quick because we're going to do a preview, hopefully, on Oklahoma. Um, but initial thoughts, I mean, I feel like our defense is elite at this point in time, and the Sooners' offense hasn't been really firing on full, full cylinders yet and in full gear. I think we can get them. I really do. Has anybody seen the line yet? 15 and a half. Yeah. Oh, it's already 15 and a half. It was it opened at 17. Ooh. So we're getting a lot of buyback here. People are buying us a little bit. Well, I think they were buying us to not lose by 17. That's the sharp, yeah. though. Well, what's <laughs> smart? Hey, I, I'm taking that already. Man, I'm, I'm going to say one thing. Oklahoma has not seen a defense as good as ours yet. And Nebraska got 30 hung on them and beaten by Illinois to start the season. And they held up to 23. Obviously, things change from week to week. But Nebraska is not a great football team. And when you have Martinez for Nebraska, when Adrian Martin- Martinez is going 19 for 25 for 289, that defense is sus. And I think uh, I think OU's defense might be sus. <laughs> well, well, I mean, well, I know I mean, you know the- that, that saying there, Zach, but you just dropped it like fully in. So I know I'm not an imposter now, okay? <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is, is you look at Oklahoma, they're a spectacular pick away from that game going God knows how. Oh, that that catch might yeah. have been one of the most insane interceptions I've ever seen. Not they even still have talent on that side of the ball, though, fellas. Oh, yeah. I mean, unbelievable. I mean, Odell Beckham Jr. shades of that Aaron Dobson-style catch. I mean, mm. unbelievable. You definitely want to check that one out. Um, but like you said, though, guys, they scored 23 on Nebraska. They gave up 35 to Tulane. 
I, let's go. Let's go play them Saturday night and see what the heck happens. I don't, I don't think us saying that they're vulnerable is a homer call at all. I think that they're extremely vulnerable. You you don't handle Nebraska as a team who's you know the number three team in the nation. Did we lose Dak? I, I don't think it's a homer call at all to say that Oklahoma is absolutely vulnerable. When you when you have to fight to the bitter end to put Nebraska away in Norman, even if it wasn't in Norman, it could have been in Nebraska. It could have been in Lincoln. That should never have been a game, but it was. And Oklahoma's defense is not something to be scared of, and ours, I think, is. And I'm hoping that that comes to pass it's a night game in Norman. That kind of concerns me a little bit. That place is going to be raucous. But they're definitely vulnerable, for sure. Yeah, I don't think it's a homer call at all. And it's because, like, this – the talk was is all Oklahoma's defense. Talking about how they're vulnerable and, like, yeah. taking care of business, whether it was in Norman, in Lincoln, it didn't really matter. Them having problems with Nebraska means they're vulnerable, and that's not me just being a fan saying that. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I mean, because we the, the talk was their defense was supposed to be better than what we've seen in the past, and all I've seen is Oklahoma defense that we've all come to know, right? Give up big plays, not real good, don't tackle well. Their offense doesn't seem nearly as explosive as it did with Baker or Jalen or Kyler Murray. They feel like they kind of lack that explosiveness. And the funny thing is, is, is if you look around college football, right, we, we – we at the beginning of the year, you know, kind of had your usual suspects penciled in, right? Clemson, Alabama, you know, Oklahoma was definitely in that mix. But so far out of all the top echelon teams for the year that we've talked about, the only one I don't really feel like I have any questions on, and it's because I, you, you talk about who they've played, is Georgia. You know, Alabama showed some some weakness. I mean, Florida was in that game. Um you know, Clemson offensively right now is not real good. So I feel like there's there's still some there there's some opportunities out there for a lot of teams and we've got a big one in front of us to go down there to Norman coming off a huge home win. Yeah, it's at night. That makes me a little nervous. But nothing about this Oklahoma team is really concerns me. Like I said, they don't have the big play offensively that they've had in years past. And defensively, yeah, they haven't really shown me a whole lot to be scared of. Now, here's the question that I have, though. They definitely have the ability and the playmakers to have those big plays. I feel like our defense is pretty good at not allowing those big plays, and I feel like we have an elite group. And like you all said before, they haven't seen a defense as good as ours, I don't think, yet. We were pretty damn good last year, and I think we're pretty daggone good this year, too. Rattler's never seen that, and maybe we can hang around. And if we hang around, maybe the turnover gods will go our way. For once. For once. Now, one other thing, too, real quick. I saw they didn't give us a turnover on that on that uh, fumble on the fourth down. Did anybody else notice that? No, At the I end didn't. of the game, on the first set of downs that we stopped them on before they scored to make it 27-21. Was that crazy? They fumbled the ball, and we, and we recovered it, correct? It was on fourth down, but... Mm, I don't know if they actually officially gave us the recovery for that. I, they obviously didn't, but I don't know why the hell they didn't. <laughs> I'm almost positive we came up with that ball. We, I mean, we very well could have. I'm kind of having a memory loss on that one, but I, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, but I mean, but anyway, though, 
to this point in the season, we're negative six in turnover margin. I don't think we're that bad. And our defense is so potentially an elite defense. We're going to create more than one turnover this season, fellas, without question. Why not have them come in a boatload on Saturday night in Norman and shock the nation? Well, and we've, if, had a, we've had a couple that the ball just didn't quite bounce our way. You had the one in Maryland that rolled out of bounds. You had the one at Tech that bounced around, looked like we had it, and it squirted it out of our hands. Like Those are things that are eventually going to come – that are going to bounce your way. Yeah, you got to regress to the mean at some point with this kind of yeah. stuff. And if we can make it happen in a game like this, that's what you need to have to pull off an upset like that. Without yeah, because eventually the, eventually the havoc rate's going to turn itself into legit turnovers in the in the stat sheet. The Brad Howe havoc rate. Got to love. I love Brad Howe and his advanced statistics. Hey, and the reality of it is that the havoc is going to go our way eventually. I mean, these guys are too quick. The D-line is too good. Our secondary is, is a bunch of players as well. It's going to happen without question. Now, does it happen Saturday? We can only hope. Um, and I think Radler, we've seen before in the past, if you get him off his point, can make some mistakes. Um, granted, he was great there at the end of last year, but I don't know. I mean, Oklahoma just seems seems vulnerable right now for sure. Now, I want to do get into one other thing real quickly, though. I know we've been talking about how bad their defense is. They did hold him to 16 points. And they do have a shutout, so maybe they're not as bad. And we need to kind of win this thing, hopefully trying to get to 30 at least, and then hope that we can hold them under that, potentially. Remember. Yeah, but, I mean, the, the West Carolina, I mean, is the, is the shutout. I mean, I don't know how much really you, you put into that. I mean, I get it. It's still a shutout. But, I mean, I just, like I said, you watch that, that Oklahoma defense, and they just don't feel – Everybody thought of them coming into the year. I mean, I, I get it. You only held Nebraska to 16, but I mean, that's a Nebraska offense that's. It's completely driven by Martinez and what he can do. And that's yeah, pretty I mean, you're, Yeah, I mean, because you're talking about an offense that only scored 28 points on Buffalo, and that should, I mean, you should have put more up on Buffalo than that, personally. But hey, Buffalo had a, a hell of a ball game with Coastal Carolina Saturday, though. Yeah, they, they did. seem to think they're good. So. I'm not saying that Nebraska is a terrible football team. I think they got kind of in those first game jitters there versus Illinois on the road. Teams that play on the road early, they have some trouble there. I wish this game was in Morgantown, obviously, versus Oklahoma and not, you know, at night in Norman. And I think we might have a little bit of that because this would be different than Maryland too, for sure. If we can run the football, we have an opportunity to win this game. That's going to be a key. And if we can get pressure on uh, Rattler – Rattling, no pun intended. Absolutely pun intended. <laughs> See what we can do there because one thing that Nebraska didn't have against them is a sack. They did not record one sack on Saturday against OU. We're going to have to do something similar to what we did against BT if we want to pull off that upset. It, yeah, exactly. That. And you know what else, too, though, when you think about it, Garrett Green, I've seen Taylor Martinez, or excuse me, Taylor Martinez. Man, they've had so many guys named Martinez play quarterback <laughs> for Nebraska. Adrian Martinez. I actually, I mean, Garrett Green hasn't made the mistakes yet, but Martinez makes mistakes all the time for Nebraska. I mean, he's the reason they lost that game to Illinois. Mm -hmm. He makes mistakes a lot. He didn't make them as much against Oklahoma, and maybe that'll allow Garrett Green to get a little play time there. With Daigie running the same type of offense we just ran Saturday against the Hokies. 
No, I think it's a permanent thing to stay. That green is going to get time. Sorry, Zach, go ahead. No, I was just going to agree with you entirely. I think in what you just said, you think it's going to continue to be a thing. I think it'll only continue to expand. I think that the more you get green in the mix, you know, the more opponents are going to have to plan for it, put time in every week for it. And he, he can exploit you in so many ways with his legs because when we run those option plays, it's, it's never a threat when they out there. But when you've got green out there, you've got to respect every, every option in that scenario, especially once we start opening up the pass side of that, because green can throw it. We've just got to see it happen. And like CJ mentioned, when the defense isn't respecting that, when they're bringing the safeties up, we can catch them off guard, and then they're really going to be screwed up. Yeah, yeah. I'm in complete agreement with all of that. And you know what? Oklahoma, we know Alex Grinch turned that team around last year. They've got talent. Let's just try and execute and, and keep the ball away from them and allow our defense to rest up, be fully gassed when they're on the field. Who knows? Who knows what could happen Saturday? And if we do lose, well, then, okay, you're 2-2, two and two and, you, and you gear up. You won't see another team as good as Oklahoma all year, right? So then you just gear up for the rest of the conference season and maybe try and get a chance to re- revisit them if it goes and it's a tight game even at that. Let me let me make a comment, and this is it's still very early in the season. So at this point, you may not see another team as good as Virginia Tech or Oklahoma besides Probably Iowa State, you know, obviously they got handled by Iowa, but they're still right there at the top of the conference. But you get prob- maybe your two hardest games, at least two of your top three out of the way to start the season. And, the, you know, if you can make things happen, finish best case scenario, 10 and two, nine and three, maybe you still got a good look ahead, especially if you can make it a game against OU, even if you can't pull it out. Yeah, and I think that's going to be a thing. And I know a lot of people don't want to talk about, you know, moral victories. But if you can go down and hang with Oklahoma, you know, even if you lose, if you walk out and it's a hard-fought one and it's one where you maybe one or two bounces maybe just didn't go your way, one of those type of games, you walk out of that thing going, okay, you know what? We got a shot to see them again in Dallas. And that'll have been better than we've ever done in Norman too. So that's another thing to hang your hat on, right? Yeah, absolutely. I want to ask you guys this question. Was any of you guys shocked to not see us get a little bit more love in the polls? Other receiving votes or something, right? (laughs) I'm okay with that, but I was a little surprised to see Virginia Tech was um, ranked ahead of some both sets of polls and the others receiving votes. See, and that was the same here because it was like you gave Tech a ton of credit for beating an overranked UNC squad, and it's almost kind of like they punished us for it in, in the regard of it. How is Kansas State ranked? Seriously. Because they're 3-0. and I guess they beat Stanford, too. Because they're getting a lot of love for that Stanford because Stanford beat a very overranked USC squad. And, you know, it's funny, though, because Kansas State is a dog against Oklahoma State, seven and a half points. Mm. Oh, you guys will enjoy this. So, right before, you know, the, the kickoff there, I kicked it over to FS1 and they were doing kind of their picks of things. They got to Bob Stoops, and it was the Oklahoma State-Boise State game, and he goes, I can't pick Boise, and we're not talking about it. (laughs) (laughs) That's priceless. I was like, well done, Bob. Very well done. CJ, you speak about pregame shows. Talk to me a little bit about the the Fox FS1 one, and then also game day. I finally saw your, your picks about, you know, Bear picking us on the big board, I guess. And uh, 
a little love yeah. from the pregame show there for us yesterday for the, those of us who weren't, you know, in Mount Pushkar Stadium. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, FS1 has a pretty solid one. Obviously, game day's kind of always just been the one I've always watched. Um, you know, it was Bear Pickiness was kind of a little bit of a shock. Um, and then, of course, you know, we were all wrong with, with Des Pickiness. Uh, Saquon picked WVU only because, in his exact words, were uh, David Sills told me I had to. <laughs> hey, David Sills was in the building on Saturday. He gave us the hordes down on the on the, the jumbotron. That was Zach. I will tell you, I admit it. I thought immediately. I'm like, man, if Zach wore that shirt, he is getting all the love in his section right now. <laughs> I didn't end up wearing it. I should have. So um, no, I mean FS1, the, the big noon uh, kickoff show, I think is what they call it. I mean, it's it it it's a solid show. I mean, they've got some. Oh, wow. Not so fast, midget. Not so fast, midget. Yeah. Some pretty cool dudes that, that do it. Like I said, game day's always just right. kind of been the but one. What I've they watched. say about us? What were the picks about us? Did you see any of the picks? Other uh, picks Matt, yeah, Matt. Uh, the only one I did see was Leinert went against us. All right, which didn't shock me. I mean, but um, yeah, Leinert went against us. I think Stoops had us. Um. Those are the only two that I saw. We don't know what happened with Reggie, obviously. That's the only thing. No, I missed. Yeah, Reggie had already made his selection by the time I got kicked over. Man, just amazing, amazing day yesterday in Morgantown. We could sit here and talk about it probably till next Saturday uh, at 7.30 when we play Oklahoma. But, uh, fellas, thanks for coming in, enjoying the time. Anything else? Any last words, though? Yeah, I'm glad you asked. One thing, I want us to keep an eye on something the rest of the season. Three games, three times that Akeem Mesador has had his jersey ripped almost completely off. So let's see if we can make that four on Saturday. <laughs> He's had massive rips. I think game one against Maryland, he had to get another jersey. But LIU and then on Saturday against Virginia Tech, humongous tears down his jersey. I don't know if it's bad Nike Nike equipment. I don't know what's going on. But he's he's having some uh he's having some wardrobe issues. I think they're holding Zach. You think no, they Virginia Tech got away with five or six blatant holds and and oh, he's Hey CJ, let me let yeah, let me ask you cuz I know you like to talk about officiating. What'd you think? I overall great. I didn't think they were horrible. I probably would have given them a B. Um but there there were some times where I felt like they – there were some kind of blatant holes that I felt like they let go, and the argument's going to be it's away from the play. But it, it, the problem is, is – and holding is kind of like pass interference. You don't it, – it's not officiated constantly. Like, it, it seems to be very wishy-washy when they do it like they'll get them or they won't if there's no consistency in it um i thought overall they didn't do a horrible job but there there were some things i felt like that they missed fair and i'm sure you'd be singing a slightly different tune had a few win against us and we lost but for the most part you say decent officiating Good yeah, I thought, I, I thought for the most part they did a they they did a pretty good job, and most of the ACC crews are pretty good. Um, I feel like the ACC and the SEC probably have the two best officiating groups as far as the conference goes. The Big Twelve, I think, is an absolute joke and a disaster. But I don't agree with officiating too, based on what I saw too. But Blake, yeah, absolutely. You noticed amongst the fans, which you always experience this, regardless, it can be the best officiating crew of all time. 
there's a call against us, it could be the perfect call. Oh hell no! That's bullshit. <laughs> Get out of here. Well, see, I got, I, I, I'm not gonna Absolutely. lie to you. When they, the the hold on um, that brought the run back there for for Letty that set us up that third and you know forever. I was like, oh come on, that's bullcrap. And then they showed the replay. And I'm like, nope, never mind. That that's a hold. Never <laughs> it mind. It kills me. It kills me too when there's a penalty that goes in our favor and people are like, what's go- What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Gotta love, gotta love idiotic fans. They're all out there. Every fan well, base has them, but it seems like ours is just full of them. Well, you know, fan is short for fanatic, so. Absolutely. Thing to keep our eye on here, and I we talked about it a ton last time. Game day tires, Zach. What'd you go with? I went like I was going to the Emmys, like CJ says. <laughs> but you look, you look clean. You play fresh. You felt like it was a good day. What'd you go with, brother? Everyone wants to know. Well. Throughout the tailgate, I was rocking the old school Steve Slayton gold jersey, ball nice. cap, Ray Ban gold, Ray Bans go along with the gold rush. Um, right as soon as we got into the stadium, I'm like, God dang, it is way too hot for this. I shed the jersey, rocked the undershirt. I actually bought the um, home field shirt that I showed you guys, the oh, yes. black diamond gold shirt. I bought that before the game, planned on putting it on. But we broke the 80-yard run to start with. I'm like, I can't, can't switch. touch it. I, I got to stick. I'm sticking <laughs> with the shirt. The Mountain Strong gold shirt, the fan shirt from probably six years ago when I was still in school. That was the role. And it ended up working. So I made the right decision. Yes, you did, sir. Hey, hell and yeah. I, and I'm going to say they have released those, like the website for those shirts. I'm so getting me one of those. Those things are epic looking. Yeah, home no, field for all those no free ads, but those those guys can make some shirts. Are we talking home field line there, CJ? Are you talking a uh, black diamond shirt? That's that's the same apparel. It's the same. Apparel yeah, it's the same one. Yeah. Oh, those are some they of the home field that. ones. Okay, sure. yeah, so that's just a part of the line then. Yeah, that yeah. they actually just dropped that line for WVU on the 18th on that on game day. So they've got a bunch of different nice looking shirts on there, and that was one of them. Hey, if home field wants to be a part of it, we'll we'll we'll, we'll gladly join them. And join in with us and be part of the bandwagon of the Mountaineers. Uh, great win. Excited to talk a little more about Oklahoma later in the week, fellas. And uh, till next time, you guys take it easy. Let's go, Mountaineers. Let's go, Mountaineers. West Virginia.